Travelers, I'm your bubble blowing baby, Russell Tindall, and I'm here with your other bubble blowing baby, Ned <laughs> Dude, Pruitt. I'm a, I'm a double bubble blowing baby. You're a double bubble bubble blowing baby. Double bubble blowing baby. <laughs> double blowing. Already bubble getting blowing, hard for me to say that. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> um, welcome to the Never Ending Adventure and Adventure Time special. That is the SpongeBob movie. I don't really know what the name of this movie is. I'll be honest. I didn't look it up. It's SpongeBob SquarePants, the movie 2004, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. It's just named like the, uh, what is the the Pokemon movie that we did? Pokemon, the movie 1999, Mewtwo Strikes Back. The first movie slash Mewtwo Strikes Back, which I always, always, again, we'll go on Pokemon on a different one, but I always thought that one was funny because it was like, Strikes Back is always a name for a sequel movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, I was like, <laughs> That's the how first, can he be yeah. striking back if he uh, well, never had a movie where he struck first? No SpongeBob Strikes Back. If you're wondering what's going on, why we're doing this, it's because we're, we just finished season three of Adventure Time and we're taking a little break. This yeah. is what we do sometimes. We do a special episode and this is going to be loose. It's going to be fun. We're just going to dive into the SpongeBob SquarePants, the movie that we um, both watched recently, uh, separately, not together as we used to do. Um, but man, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. This is just like one of those movies that I feel like means a lot. And at the same time, I don't watch it that often. It's just a movie that I've always loved. And I think more yeah. than anything, it's a, for a character and for a show that I love more than most cartoons out there. Yeah. I- I was going to, no, you hit a good point though, that I don't know, like I I was definitely late to the SpongeBob game in general. Like, uh, it was definitely not allowed in my household for many years, I think. Wow. Wow. Just because my parents were, my parents were very anti Cartoon Network, very anti, uh, and they, they were cool on most Nickelodeon things, but like same thing with like Tom Kenny. And all the like, most a lot of these people in SpongeBob, like Rocco's Modern Life and kind of the rough around the edges Nickelodeon stuff, they just kind of said no to off the bat. And so when SpongeBob came out, they were like, oh, no to off the bat, you know? Yeah, I kind of get it. I mean, my mom didn't let us watch Ed and Eddie when we were pretty Mm -hmm. young. And I think it's because they're all, well, not Ed, but the other two Eds are kind of played as dumb-ish characters, and I don't think she really appreciated that too much. And so in this SpongeBob, you have obviously SpongeBob and Patrick that are kind of played off as not the brightest bunch, but they find a way. And I think the humor at that point, we were old enough in my household, and my mom was just like, yeah, you know, I've been doing this show. This show is funny even for me to watch. So sure, go ahead, you know. Yeah, I actually, I just had a conversation with my dad at Thanksgiving about because I just straight up, I was like, Dad, what were the shows that we watched growing up that drove you nuts? And what were the shows that you loved that were like in the in the kids show realm? And he was a big Foster's Imaginary Friend fan. He was a big Jimmy Neutron fan. But SpongeBob was like the one where even when I was 16, which would have been 
2010, six years after the movie, we would just have like old classic, like season one SpongeBob Zon, and he'd be like, turn it off, not allowed in my house. Oh my god. Just like gosh. drove him, just drove him nuts. And I was like, no, okay, like this is this is not allowed in your house. And you're like, that's not a yeah. thing. Like it's well, SpongeBob. A, it's it's our generation's Looney Tunes, you know? It is. It really is. It it stands out on its own. There's really nothing else like it. I think it, it you wouldn't have shows like Adventure Time if it wasn't for SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. I think SpongeBob broke this barrier of like, we're going to just be weird for the sake of being weird. There's a lot of like metaphors that an adult audience will get. It's it's amazing. It really is one of those shows that I think I, I watched. I would love to have a statistic. There are several things in my life that I want like to be gamified. I want to know how many times I've watched each episode of the first three seasons of SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. I and know what you mean. Which one I watched the most. Like I wish there was a statistic that I could find that. Maybe one day there will be, and when we live in that world, I'm going to be freaked out for other reasons, I'm sure. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, because I know I'm very much influenced by the first three seasons, what came before the movie. What would you say in that core first three seasons is your... And, and now we're, we're getting into SpongeBob in general, which I guess is a yeah. good you know, yeah, uh, jumping point for the movie. Yeah, it's but loose. What would this you, is a loose episode. Because mine was for sure the rock bottom episode. Where, oh, favorite where, episode? Oh, yeah, man. favorite episode. One that like if if you could only watch one more SpongeBob the rest of your life, what would it be? I would hate that. <laughs> I think any SpongeBob all. episode would be too. It would be bad <laughs> to have to do that with. But I don't know, man. I don't know that. So yours is rock bottom. Yeah, when he goes to rock bottom, which which reminded me of a moment. Oh, in the movie. after Glove World, that's a that's a tough episode, man. I don't know. It's uh, so. Boy, you feel off put the entire time you're in rock bottom. Like I, I don't, Damn. I don't know. I more so than anything. I just like to reflect. And and we spent we watched this movie um, last night, and we spent maybe the next hour and a half reminiscing on the different SpongeBob songs from the early seasons that just meant yeah. so much to us. And I, I wrote down a list of all my favorites, and it's crazy how long this is. I honestly think. I mean, I'm not nostalgic with oh, any of the Adventure Je- Time songs, which Jess we all know from that. the first three seasons, though. I, I don't know if they're all from the first three seasons. Like, there's uh, the very first Christmas is on here, which may or may not be in the first three seasons. I think it um, is. It might be. And then Best Day Ever, which Best I'm Day not... Ever. That I don't think that's first three seasons. No, uh, it is anyways. because it, 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 it was because it's actually in the credits of the movie. It's one of the last oh. songs that rolls in the credits of this movie. Really? Okay. My, yeah. The timeline in my head is all messed up then. I yeah, mean, it was ri- written by Tom Kenny actually too. Oh, that's great. I, it's so funny. I almost wanted to go in with this podcast episode and just go, da, 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 da. you know, the... <laughs> the poop, the fry cook. No. Uh, what is it? Like how to be a fry no. cook or whatever. Ho- hoopla. 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 <laughs> but yeah, so the fun song, which is probably the best song mm-hmm. from SpongeBob. Campfire song, Bubble Bowl, Ballad, which is Sweet Victory, Krusty Krab's Pizza, Hey All You People, Hey All You People, would you listen to me? Um, the Jellyfish my Pants. Banger. What? The Jellyfish Party Banger. Oh, yeah, the Jellyfish Party Banger, which I don't know. I didn't look at what the name of that was, but I do it's love a, that episode. It's definitely a non-copyrighted version of like a jock jam song. You know, Ripped My Pants might be the episode that I would watch 
over and over so? again. That's, it might be. I, I know. Yeah. I know that that's my wife's favorite song from SpongeBob. Is the that might be my favorite song. song actually? Now that I'm thinking about it, Funk Song's amazing, but that might be my favorite. Uh, this Grill is not a home, which is also a classic, mm, a classic ballad, classic ballad with SpongeBob and Krabs. Um, the very first Christmas. All about you, girl, which is the like boy band fish singing to Pearl oh for her gosh. birthday. You're they bringing up ones I haven't even. Cry, you know, yeah, I get it. You, you, you're bringing up ones I haven't thought about in years, dude. Texas, when Sandy's all in the fields about Ooh, being homesick. I hated that one. Oh, you didn't like that one? No, I, that I, one. I just wasn't a fan. Which is kind of like Sandy in the SpongeBob movie has two lines the entire time, uh, yeah. which I am a, like. Sandy episodes were not my favorite. I don't know. Hmm. I think they just leaned the ones where they really leaned on her being like, I'm from Texas. I'm like, that's not how people <laughs> from Texas talk. Like, I don't no. know. I love it. <laughs> like the episode where they're like, Pinky out, you know, they're trying to. I think that's the first moment they meet they're Sandy, to, like, that very first episode. Up. It they're is because be they're trying cool to like class and, up. Yeah. They've never been inside of a, a oxygen dome before. And so SpongeBob's just dying of dehydration. Uh, y'all have seen these episodes. Um, so Long Bikini Bottom, which is another Sandy classic. Um, and then the Striped Sweater song, which is far too short. I wish that song was <laughs> another couple bars. Because it's, wow. yeah, it's just like the best time to wear a striped sweater is all the time. One with the turtleneck. That's the kind. And then there's like one more line and it's over. And I, over. I wish it went on for another bar or two. I bet, I bet they had, I bet they had it in the writer's room. I bet they had something queued up for like a two and a half minute long song. Oh yeah. Never got to it. I would love it. I would love it. Anyways, to this movie, this is a really just a road trip movie in a sense. It's just SpongeBob and Patrick going for a cruise and bad things happening along the way. And back home, all has gone to hell. Plankton is finally getting his way. He's getting the formula. He's taking over. You know, it's it's just a I don't know. It's it's a great take on the road trip movie in my mind. Yeah. Do, do you think it's an ode to Dumb and Dumber? Could be because it it's kind of like the two idiots on the road trip, the serious people that are hunting them down, and then the more serious they're trying to, you know, help the situation at hand. So like, you know, yeah. Jim Carrey's trying to get the suitcase back to Mary. But at the end of the day, there's something more serious going on, and that's the whole like kidnapping, and that's it's almost uh, like yeah, maybe the whole arc of this movie is that they're on a quest, but the quest is not really the real quest per se. Yeah, and also I love that this movie is able to give you where you're going, what's happening, and then throughout the entire movie, you're constantly kind of drawn into a different direction, like. Of course, Dennis is this bad guy. He's chasing them down. We're going to have to confront Dennis. But at first, SpongeBob and Patrick die, you know? And mm-hmm. then we we continue on. Dennis, they face Dennis. They go back home. And then Plankton's taken over, and Plankton cheats, and Plankton takes over Neptune. And, you know, I'm, you know, spoilers, I guess. I don't know. Go watch <laughs> this movie. to the end of the podcast. <laughs> you know, but it's it's just this wonderful, like, movement through and it doesn't feel at all like oh gosh why isn't Dennis bigger because Dennis isn't the big bad guy you know mm-hmm. Dennis is a henchman for Plankton but it feels like all they got to do when you're watching this movie is beat Dennis and it's over right and yeah that's not the case I I, I love it I really dig it yeah so, and, so you, you yeah. like the 
you kind of dig that scene in a movie where you you feel like the apex problem is solved, but there's like the deep, there's like the next phase. It's like boss. As long as it works, it doesn't always work, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I was going to say like, I liked, uh, I liked that fact. I didn't like, and I can't say I didn't like it just maybe creatively speaking with Dennis specifically, I feel like they could have made Dennis an interesting three dimensional character. Even yeah, if it was just, just like, like a, a funny, manly man, bro, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, well, and he was, I mean, he was the antithesis of SpongeBob and Patrick when they were trying to be like yeah. manly men. And that's the whole message of the movie is that like, you can be a manly man, but you're not going to be like the hero or you're not going to always succeed just by being manly. So it it served yeah. its purpose, but I was like, they could have given be yourself. Dennis kind of a funny like, hey, remember your childhood and then Dennis turns good and then he goes back and helps them defeat Plankton. Like it could have defeated, like, I don't know, it could have it could have tied that yeah. the nice, the ending gets chaotic at the end. If you, like, the, did you feel that way? I don't know. He's, he's the odd job. He's the Chuck Norris, you know, it's just like a step. Well, the Chuck Norris in the sense of Bruce Lee, it's a step in the right direction to take him down, move on from that. Like it, it's not the big bad as i was just mentioning I, I it didn't bother me at all what is interesting is that it doesn't bother me and probably just because of how much i love spongebob that the resolution at the end of this movie <laughs> is spongebob becoming a rock star <laughs> okay know? okay like, that that's, was my... that's how the movie wraps up they're just can, like can we uh, uh can we make some bacon pancakes over here and talk about my jake mistakes of oh this my gosh movie? what my Jake of this movie are the ex machinas like of this one. Okay. Okay. Sure. The immediate random resolutions to their problem. The first one, I, I get it. It's funnier. And I, and one of my factoids is that the writers like pitched the Dave Hasselhoff scene before they had even had Dave Hasselhoff commit to the movie. Okay. Which I think is hilarious. And it's kind Did of an ex machina. Yeah, and well, they yeah. they didn't have him like for the movie, and then they they wrote the scene, and then they contacted him. Uh, that's awesome. Um, but it was kind of like, that. yeah, I guess they could have used the bag of wins and shot the crown back. It just wouldn't have been funny per se. Yeah, the bag of wins would have been lame. I love that the bag yeah. of wins is this big foreshadowed thing that they can take all the way back home as soon as they get the crown. You're good. Just open this up, and mm-hmm. of course, Patrick messes it up, and they can't use that. Yeah. So they but, gotta have the hassle off. He's gotta be in the movie. Like of course. Be it's gotta movie. be him. Now he's the, got uh, the those second texts. the second ex machina of it was was exactly what you said. The wizard scene where he just <laughs> it's like Plankton <laughs> has the best scene. them cornered, absolutely cornered, absolutely yeah. no answers. And it's like the answer is he becomes a rock and roll goofy goober and the power of his rock blasts everyone's helmets off their head, and you're like Dude, couldn't you have had like Dennis come back as a redemption character and help you defeat Plankton? Like that could have been so cool. I mean, honestly, what really happens is SpongeBob accepts the fact that he can be a kid and and still save the day. He can still go mm-hmm. to um, where is the Shell City, right? Like as a kid, as himself with Patrick, as dumb as they can be. They still made it to Shell City and they still survived and they still made it back and they're here to save the day and all as being kids and none of the adults, none of the men 
were able to do that. That's the moment where he like fully accepts that that breaks down. I'm 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 Goofy Goober Rock, right? The greatest twisted sister parody of all time that you probably yeah. never knew you needed, but of course we got it in this movie. Yeah. I, I don't know, dude. I just love that scene. As stupid as it is, it's amazing. He's just shredding it, it on a guitar. Amazing. And, and I think, that, I mean, like even at a younger age, like I never had a problem with it, but then I kind of like, oh man, I just like, you get invested in this movie and then you're like, it ends and you're like, oh, like Plankton's perfect plan was just like foiled completely by of some guitar that SpongeBob yeah. got that can it's, shoot lasers out. It's just what I kind of feel about it is this movie is quintessential. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. The mm. road trip itself is always going to be in every comedy movie, way more fun. Every, really every comedy in general, mm-hmm. the first 45 minutes of that movie are going to be the best parts of that movie. And then they got to get serious and they got to resolve. And I love that SpongeBob, instead of getting serious and resolving and kind of a lame, like, well, we had to do it because we're telling a story kind of way. They're just like, no, we're going to be goofy and we're going to solve this in a goofy way that is still fun to watch and still fun to see the resolution of. And maybe it's hello nostalgic, but I think this is just a really great, the ending doesn't matter. You know, the ending is just so fun. And that's what they were going for. You're right. There's probably a good chance that it was kind of written that way and written to be like, we're out here being kids. We're out here not trying to like solve the world problems or like tie together. They did tie together. And that's why I think they, they maybe, maybe they ended like that. They were like, they had this big lesson and SpongeBob's on like a monologue essentially and (laughs) keeps, keeps interrupting Plankton on his monologue. And then they're just going to be like, we're just going to end it goofy. It's not about necessarily (laughs) the monologue at the end. Yeah, it, it's great. And it's very interesting to think that, so this is Stephen Hillenberg is the creator mm-hmm. of SpongeBob. He was a marine biologist teacher, I believe. And his idea was like, let's wrap it up. Like, let this be the end of SpongeBob mm-hmm. with this movie and then like no more moving forward. And I would have respected that so much had they actually done that. Yeah, we got well, good think, SpongeBob I mean, afterwards, but still... I just, I don't keep up with it. I'm sure kids still love it because I actually yeah. was talking to a coworker recently um, this week and she mentioned that her kids still watch SpongeBob. That's so cool. I know it's still cool, but I just wish, like, what I loved about the first season of Fully Coolie is that they wrapped that up. They had a goal, they had a mission, they wrapped it up. What I love about Cowboy Bebop is that it's a 26-episode TV show that wraps up in the coolest way possible. Yeah, if SpongeBob had done out. that... Oh my gosh, dude. Like, we finally get to see Plankton stealing the formula. We finally get to see everything come full circle. SpongeBob accepts yeah. how goofy SpongeBob he is. SpongeBob has been working at the Krusty Krab at this point for 31 years. I I know. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, you're like, it's they, they, they teed it up. They teed it up to be the end because he's like, I've been working with Mr. Krab for so many years. What like, is drunk? Yeah. Yeah, the, we'll talk uh, about that scene later because that's that's my sure. runner up. That might be the best the scene. Whole, yeah, yeah it was my runner up. I think. Yeah, three hundred and seventy four um, employee of the month awards. SpongeBob yeah. has in his household. <laughs> the fact that he has a wall for that, like a massive wall of portraits of himself dedicated to his. That first scene's really fascinating. I just let's just talk about that whole first scene when we see the 
the cheese dream is what I'm calling it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and Adventure Time we have quote dreams, and SpongeBob we have cheese dreams. Where SpongeBob, he becomes the manager, or he is the manager. He's so confident. He's so like able to accomplish everything, and everyone relies on him. And this is how he sees himself. And it's like a whole bomb defusal situation, right? Yeah. And he goes in there, he solves, he puts the cheese on the patty. Uh, why did the patty not have cheese on it? Who was making the patty? It doesn't matter. SpongeBob's there to solve the day or save the day. And then he's going to get that. He wakes up. He's like, it's time. I'm confident. I am able. I'm a kid. Who cares? I'm ready to become Krusty Krab 2's manager. Um, I, I, I love that scene, though, in the sense that there's... I can't remember if the Bubble Bass episode was part of a pre or post movie, but when SpongeBob takes, pretty. you know, missing the pickles on the sandwich so seriously. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a matter of this is how he sees his work. Like he sees going to work just making sandwiches, the most mundane, you know, everybody always jokes like flipping, flipping patties at McDonald's, like is the, is the lowest tier of working or whatever. But SpongeBob sees it as this. He sees it as this, like dire situations. Like people got to get their cheese on yeah. their burgers because it's a dire situation. And it's kind of something I think that's beautiful in the way that SpongeBob views his responsibilities and his passions, you know? Yeah. He's just this ever optimist. Like mm-hmm. that is so maybe what I love about SpongeBob is that he's just so happy. So willing. And in this movie, you do have him breaking down a handful of times. You got him at the trench, right? Like we're going, we we had just done the thud tug scene at this point, and they're driving out to the trench. And SpongeBob just absolutely breaks down. And he's like, all of a sudden, maybe I can't do this. Like I, I'm a I'm just a kid. Like Patrick's wearing goofy goober underwear. Like <laughs> we can't go do this. And Mindy's like, no, you you have to. Like you're the only people that can do this because of who you are. And she stops them from quitting. And of course, that's one of my favorite lines in the movie is Patrick has his crush throughout the entire movie on um gosh, Mindy, the did you, daughter. Did you see my of, underwear? Yeah. Did you, you want, want to? to? <laughs> That is the, the best. That might be the best line of the <laughs> whole movie. Be. It is so funny. It's it, it's, it's com- no, comparable, but when she's like giving them the mi- or giving them the mission, or whenever she's meeting them for the first time or something, she's like, "I know all the fish in the scene and he, the sea," and he's like, "You're hot." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she does the the mermaid magic, and it's so it's just a placebo effect, right? Mm-hmm. She just gives them the kelp mustaches. That makes them feel like, oh, we are, man. Let's go do this. And then they have this giant music montage with the monsters and body percussion that convinces the monsters to be on their side. And now that we're men, like, it's a terrible, like, lesson. But, yeah, dude, now that you're invincible. It's, it's the, it's the jo- well, that's, that's why it's, the, it's kind of a fun joke lesson. Is like, yeah, it, it, is. it plays it is. into the point of the, the movie's trying to make. They do have this cool, like, confidence scene. Um, we'll get into deeper thoughts later, but uh, it's ultimately defeated. But on on the Mindy topic, because you said you know Patrick's line was your favorite, what was there something off about her the entire movie? Like Mindy the whole time? Yeah, yeah, maybe so. I'm not like, really sure. It's so it's it, she's voiced by Scarlett Johansson, which first of all I think was like a, a not a good choice. 
in my opinion. She does not fit the SpongeBob world of voice animating or voice acting, voice an- like animated voice acting. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it seems like you threw a normal person into the SpongeBob universe and she just feels like she's there because it's a movie. It, it takes does kind of feel... Yeah. I do kind of wish there was someone who was maybe a little bit more cartoony in their delivery or maybe even someone from the show that we already knew. Like where's yeah. Sandy this whole time? What's Sandy been up to? We're going to end SpongeBob without Sandy really being involved at all. That seems kind of silly to me. They did write in a scene where they they cut it out, or I, well, I said ne- probably never animated, never probably made it into the final script, but they were going to meet Sandy in the real world, like on land, and oh, she was going like- to be a real squirrel, and then Patrick <laughs> was going to throw up. <laughs> okay. So I love yeah, that. That, I love that, that. That somehow didn't make the final the final cut there. Yeah. So I, I would assume that they fair. were going to have Sandy like maybe help them when they were on the beach before they wrote the Hasselhoff scene. Yeah. Well, let's let's go. I guess we just go to the next great scene. We're just not really going through yeah. this move. No, we, movie, we, we yeah we we went from the the cheese dream. We hopped around um, at the cheese dream. Uh, Squidward gets chosen as manager, and then you have. I mean, I'll go ahead and spoil this. My sexy character of the entire movie, Patrick Starr. Mm. coming in paragliding nude and this is not why he's my sexy character in case you're wondering he just happens to be nude and he crashes the stage after spongebob finds out that patrick is uh the or not patrick squibbert's the actual manager that uh crabs chose yeah crabs well, is whispering like to him and definitely says jackass like he's like <laughs> you know i can't even do he's it like, he's like, he said i'm being a what <laughs> Yeah, no, and he definitely even whispers the word jackass, I'm pretty sure, or at least oh, it sounds real? like it to me, yeah. He says, you're just a kid. No, he's 31 years old. He's not, like, I don't feel like a kid. I'm not 31, but too close, way too close. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I definitely, the Patrick Butt scene would have been for sure if, like, my mom watched the movie when I was fourth grade and was Patrick's butt with a flag in between his butt cheeks. Like, oh, yeah. my mom would have been like, nope. Turn this off. Well, the end of the movie is the reason why he's my sexy character. It's be- the, <laughs> the scene with him in the legs. fishnets and the high heels. Well, Patrick, I can say, man, does obvious. get he gets my lovely of the entire oh, movie. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. He gets my lovely. It's not, and it's not because of the sexy scenes. It, um, it's wow. because they did it. There's a lot of early SpongeBob episodes where they make Patrick so much of an idiot. And it's almost like incomparable. And this one, it's like, he's not smart, but he's he's on the same level of SpongeBob the entire movie. There's not one of them being smarter than the other. And there's not too many scenes of Patrick being like overly stupid, you know, like nailing a, a board to his head or doing something like that. True. And, so and I, he does do that in the first season. Yeah. Quite and, a lot. And so I think the Patrick humor in this one hits a, hits a good great peak of just being like yeah like the dumb and dumber spinoff you know like not one is not dumber than the other yeah i like that patrick's just this a loyal best friend who doesn't really Mm -hmm. have any plans in life other than hanging out partying at goofy goober and uh stands up for spongebob he's like the best uh, yeah he's a great dude stands up for him there to support him he's like when they go to the um what is it? The tough tug, whatever it is. The tug. 
the thug tug, he's the one that steals the key. And he's like, guess what I got? Like, Oh yeah. So he's still yeah, like, like, it's not like he's useless and he's not played off. No. And he didn't give in useless. either. I mean, his willpower to not sing the goofy goober theme song was just as strong as SpongeBob's. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure, you know, the first time I watched this and even rewatching it, I was like, I can't remember what happens here. I'm like, SpongeBob or Patrick has got to give and it's going to be Patrick. Right. And it wasn't, it was, of course, the the two other guys that were faking their way into this rough and tumble bar. That yeah. is another one of my favorite lines of this movie. The rule of all bubble blowing babies will be beaten senseless by every able-bodied person or patron in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a great line. Yeah, you feel like you get that way uh, in some of those East Nashville dive bars. You walk oh. in and you're like... <laughs> You get Sometimes all the I feel stank. like I don't belong. Yeah, I'm you like, get all the stank guy from those East Nashville hipsters. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Even um, even sometimes the musicians, and you're just like, man, you know, like I get it. I work in the industry, but like, I'm not trying to be a, a industry guy. I don't know. Whatever, man. I'm yeah, creative. Be my <laughs> friend, please be my friend. Um, Anyways. Well, we skipped over, I'd say, well, what would be my runner-up tops, and I mean, very competable tops to the entire movie was the the goofy goobers nut bar scene yeah. when they just get absolutely plastered together yeah and, wasted on motion and they don't i love this because they don't hide it at all they are they's like waiter waiter like that and then they wake up at 8 a.m with five o'clock shadow and red eyes and it's like oh every <laughs> yeah. adult every adult watching this movie is like they're completely hungover they they did that scene really well too. I love that it's not just like a freeze frame or some sort of a weird music montage. Yeah, some like sort I of love montage. that they do the waiter bit because that is such a funny bit and it pays off so well with the story of of the movie. He gets pissed off. He's hungover. He goes to the Krusty Krab mm-hmm. and then he, goes, he tells tells off his boss tells, the next day. Yeah, hungover. tells Neptune yeah. like what a jerk Krabs is. You very know? relatable. Very re- like coming into work the next day after a rough day and then just being like, I can't believe I'm here, you know? Yeah. I'm wasting next eight hours of my life at this place and spent 10 hours here last night trying to figure out whatever bull crap. Yeah, it is relatable, you know? And or not getting the promotion that you thought maybe you were deserving of or whatever. Um, but I just, that scene, they just do it really well in this movie. It's It's really great. Yeah, well, and they mix in and they they make it, you know, like fun and funny. Like, it's obvious they're not like, you know, angry drinking ice cream because they have the funny, the funny, like the the guy behind the bar getting piled up with ice cream and getting like just coated in ice cream. So they make it, they they throw a joke into a moment that could be really sad and depressing or, you know, overly weird for kids of being like, I don't get this. I don't get this emotion. And they kind of, you know, a lot of shows and, and you know why we do adventure time is they can mask a lot of those serious moments under some little like topical humor you know or like yeah i say topical more like uh slapstick humor but it's like a serious moment but they're like slapstick haha and the kids are like oh this is still funny yeah. and i mean i guess to that too let's just go ahead and skip even further forward right and we're gonna hop over a scene that we'll probably come back to in a little bit, because I want to talk about the ice cream stand. But first, 
Shell City is another great example of just like how morbid this show can be and yet still be lighthearted and fun. And then all of a sudden there's a mariachi band and we're having a blast and the fish are all coming back to life for some reason, which doesn't really make sense. But <laughs> yeah, okay. I was like, cool. Kind of, <laughs> again, semi kind of an ex machina as well. As yeah, like the- a, a little bit for the Cyclops. Yeah. The Cyclops is there and they had just beat Dennis, right? So there's... there's Actually, they didn't do anything. Dennis got stomped by an even bigger boot. Plankton had said, I want you to step on him because, of course, Plankton's always getting stepped on. Um, And Dennis exposes their fake mustaches that aren't really mermaid magic. And the bigger boot just crushes Dennis. And then the scuba diver, also known as the Cyclops, takes him to Shell City. But at Shell City, you have your heroes pass away. And they pass away happily. They're happy to die they realize, and Patrick is also a great moment of comedy. Patrick, all he can do is say, Shell City, Shell City. And SpongeBob's just like, yep, where we were supposed to go. We never made it. All right, all right. You know, he's just, (laughs) he's had enough of Patrick's Shell City until they realize, oh, we're here. We did it. Like Mm -hmm. they start singing that, I'm a goofy goober, yeah. And it's because they're, happy that they did it as kids, as their true selves. And then they dry out and they pass away. And then the Pokemon moment of this, that Pokemon first movie moment with the tears saving the heroes, you know? <laughs> oh, good, good parallel. I did not yeah, draw, like, I, draw that parallel there. It just came to me. It just came to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the tear, you know, causes the smoke... And then the spring flies go off or whatever, and all the dead fish come back to life. And then you go, oh, maybe this is not based off of reality, and this is a fake movie or a fictional movie. You know, that's kind of when I realized it. Um, but no, it, I, that scene almost makes me, like, it gets me into the emotions watching it as an adult. Oh, yeah. I'm well, like, we, we definitely such a good scene. We definitely had one. We put out an Instagram post today. I said Russell put out an Instagram post of just saying, hey, uh, what do you guys think of like SpongeBob movie? Um, and we had some responses in, and one was like, used to tear me up at the end every time. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, tear jerking scene. I, I draw that scene in parallel. You already mentioned the croak dream from adventure time. And that was kind of like my croak dream moment of the movie. It was like, they realized they have done what they set out to do and they were okay to die at that point. And so that was very croak dream esque. is like, that weird acceptance of death, you know? Yeah, no, it was great. I, I feel like a lot of this movie is just me saying how good it was, how great it was, but <laughs> I, I just really do enjoy this movie. And then you have this wonderful ad placement of Elmer's glue, which might be the only ad placement in the entire movie. I'm not sure if I caught uh, on to much David more. Other than if you consider David, David Hasselhoff, Hasselhoff a, a brand, then yeah, maybe the second one. He's kind of, <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's kind, kind of, of just a brand. walking. Um, what is that movie he was in? Freaking no, he was Baywatch. in Baywatch. Yeah, yeah, he's just a walking Baywatch figure. But I don't know. Yeah, and then all right, let's talk about the Hasselhoff, right? So the Hasselhoff, <laughs> the Hasselhoff shows up out of nowhere. He's gonna pick him up and take him to Bikini Bottom after they try to use the bag of winds. And he's swimming like a like he's got an engine going, Ned. But I noticed. You know, his arms and his feet aren't moving at all. So yeah, what's propelling they, him through the water? Well, in the terms of the movie, 
in the filming, they actually made a 12-foot David Hasselhoff to go into the water. And it, like, legitimately had, like, lifelike skin. Like, every single one of his moles, like, was painted perfectly on him. They, like, made a legit... And then David Hasselhoff loved it so much, he wanted... He he bought it off the, the movie. <laughs> was going to auction it off. It got an offer that was, like, so high. And then I think Jimmy Kimmel used it in his show and oh, had, like, the 12-foot awesome. David Hasselhoff as his desk on the Jimmy Kimmel show. That's hilarious. And, um... And then I think at the end of the day, and maybe where it still is now, is I think that David Hasselhoff was like, no, I'm not going to sell it. You know, like, I just, yeah. I'm just going to keep it. Yeah, um, why not? And also, like, why would someone want that? <laughs> yeah. Know. Well, yeah, I don't know. For $30,000, there's a lot of rich people that'd be like, I- I'll take that. I'll take a 12-foot yeah. David Hasselhoff. Well, Ned, what's propelling him forward? I'm, I'm curious if you have any Dude, theories on... Manly, manly strength. That's what the movie's all about, right? Not that yeah, we're meant he- I think he just couldn't do it if he wasn't a man, unfortunately. Um, but that's the only answer I have for what's propelling him forward. Yeah, it, it kind of stuck. It stuck along that theme of like, you know, th- there's two themes. There's like, I don't know. It, it's almost like two sides of the same coin. That like, there's a good aspect of like maturing and be, you know, quote unquote, becoming a man. And then there's the the other flip side of the coin of like losing yourself to that. You know. Yeah. And David yeah, Hasselhoff's totally just agree. the man. Never lost himself. Never lost himself. Yeah. Even I can't, I've never <laughs> figured out that pecs movement. I've been working on it. I've been going to the gym, but I don't think I'm quite there yet. But I am yeah. hoping eventually I'll unlock that skill. You I got think about, that's like you got about level, six, 60 more years in the gym and you can do that. Yeah. I think that's like level 53 is what I want to say before you unlock that skill. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping I get pur- there eventually. It goes purple belt, black belt, David Hasselhoff belt. David Hasselbelt. Um, I don't even know. That's not really even a good pun. (laughs) I don't know why I said (laughs) that. Um, No, yeah, I don't know, man. But And then, of course, you have Dennis. Again, maybe just Dennis's pure willpower. Somehow he, using the the bigger boot from the Cyclops, gets onto the Hasseloff. Mm -hmm. So I think that just goes to show how he has the power to grow a mustache in a second if he wants to. He's got... He might have some supernatural abilities. That's true. Uh, I'm trying to think of like, no, Plankton would have just hired him as a hired gun. He wouldn't have genetically modified him. But yeah, he, he found him on the uh, assassin website from the assassin Adventure Time. Website. I'm sure. Calling Blastronaut to come and take out Dennis. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to see a uh, Hasseloff versus Blastronaut. Uh, battle at the end. They really could have used Hasselhoff a little, a little bit more. I think that's what I want. I want more Hasselhoff in this movie. <laughs> I think he served the right amount of purpose. Um, no, he I did. Think more mind-boggling to me than just swimming like a boat was he knew exactly where Bikini Bottom was. That's kind of... Bikini Bottom's at the bottom of the ocean. Dude. He just stops and he's like, Bikini Bottom's right below here. And I was like, half, how, bro. how does he know that? Like, I, thought he's, he, I don't know. I don't he's, know. Maybe, he's maybe the unless it's right? you know well known that there's a group of little sea critters that live next to that island or whatever. You know, I think he just watches the bay. I think he's just aware of what goes he's on in a, his bay. He's just aware of everything in the bay. <laughs> everything in the bay. He's watching the bay. So does that mean I don't know where Bikini Bottom is technically located? Is it off of the California coast? It must be right. Um, I would imagine it's a Florida. No. 
I guess if Hasselhoff's in this movie, it'd be California Coast. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. Hmm. I don't know. I've never really thought about where it might actually be located. Or in well, Bikini I do know Atoll. They go to Atlantis like four different times and then there's like four or five different lost cities of Atlantis and SpongeBob. So mm-hmm. there's some inconsistencies with the location just in general, I would imagine. Or, or it's not, yeah. you know, whatever. It's a cartoon. Who cares? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, do, okay, okay, okay. This is, this is uh, getting off topic, but in the large scheme of thing and, and kind of going back to the beginning of the movie and more of like the Krusty Krab promotion and the promotion of the Krusty Krab 2, which was next door. Capitalism. In, in, the, in the realm of inconsistencies, what I've realized in the show is the inconsistency of like everybody in Bikini Bottom just being, just having a hard on for Krusty Krabs. There's people out the door. And then the next episode, it'll be like, Mr. Krabs will be like, we haven't had a customer in four weeks and everybody hates Krabby Patties and they think they're so lame. And the next episode, like in the movie, then they're like, this is breaking news. We've got a whole new Krabby Patty, you know, like. Oh, yeah. Everyone freaks out. The Krabby Patties are making our tongues different colors now. Like, patties. I don't understand the, the back and forth between like, do what people the in Bikini Bottom actually like Krusty Krab or is it awful? I think they you know? like the, the patties, right? I mean, obviously it's enough for everybody to go to the chum bucket, which he's never had a customer. He's been customerless for 31 years. How is he affording the property tax of the chum bucket? I I need to know that, Blanton. What are you doing <laughs> on the side? What's your side hustle? Well, it can't you know, be it, podcasting. Well, that's the whole SpongeBob conspiracy theory is, you know what? Chum is chopped up fish, and he, so he can't sell chum bucket because he's feeding fish back to fish. Oh, man. Yeah. That's like the whole conspiracy is that that's why he never sells and never has customers because nobody wants to eat their friends. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's, that's why gross. he's also evil. So Yeah, he's evil for many reasons, but he's kind of a playful evil, you know? He's a bit of an Ice King in some ways, I, I think. Would you say like Ice King, like the chaotic neutral or whatever? Or is he the He's evil. I mean, he's got to be whatever. evil, right? Yeah. He's the scrappy dude of this movie. He has because several, it, like, but not in this movie, but has several moments, like redeeming moments where you feel sympathetic towards him in the show not in this movie yeah. but well we find out in the show right that he was best friends with crabs when they were much mm-hmm. younger I, I don't know yeah I'm, I'm not really sure man i do have a most punchable character from this movie though okay let me see if it matches with mine i'm sure it does it's the creepy old lady that is the tongue of the monster <laughs> that is using jake powers that the monster also has jake powers but only in relation to its tongue, because it yeah. has the little kitty that's like, I'll let you pet Mr. Whiskers. Yeah, that was, um, okay. You're right. I actually, I withdraw my most punchable because the the second kitty tongue makes the it. The free ice sure, cream most. stand freaks me out. That scene <laughs> as a kid to this day is my least favorite scene of the entire movie. I don't I mean I, I don't think it it's bad. I think it's a good scene. I just don't like scary things and it's freaky, <laughs> dude. It's so yeah. gross and messed. I don't like it. I don't like it. I mean, it dude, at all. I still feel like I feel like I get a uh, Instagram TikTok post of like, here's 17 fish that have never been photographed before from the depths of the ocean. And they're all they they all have some sort of weird angler, like let me suck yeah. you into my mouth mentality. And it's just like that, you know. Yeah. 
Well, I wrote down in my notes, love the movie, hate the scene. I don't think the scene's bad. I just, <laughs> it just freaks me out. And well, she's my leads, most punchable character. It does lead up to the most iconic, probably culturally relevant moment of this movie is the surprise face Patrick Starr. As soon as that monster, as soon as that monster chases them off the cliff and the other massive sea monster comes and like takes them and they've chomps it down and you get surprise face Patrick Starr. And that's probably one of the most iconic, recognizable SpongeBob moments. I mean, of the entire brand, if you really think about it. I never thought about that. SpongeBob is just a meme factory, right? It feels like there's so many memes that have come from SpongeBob and and maybe it's the right show at the right time when the internet was doing the right things for memes to really have a significant draw from SpongeBob. But, but man, it really is a significant part of that culture, it feels yeah. like. Yeah, it's like that meme, that meme uh, imagination with the rainbow, like that's oh, probably yeah. one of the most famous, like early <laughs> like, 4chan is. style memes. Like, um, but I love it. I love that one of them comes from this movie. And I was like, if you take that snippet and show it to somebody who's never seen SpongeBob, they'd be like, huh? Like, I've, yeah, for sure. I've seen that yeah. like stitched on somebody's patch jacket before, you know? It's interesting. I was, I was watching a video about the creator of SpongeBob and his choice to keep uh, Steven Hillenburg and his choice to keep SpongeBob an adult, whereas he was getting push from Nickelodeon. Oh, like, it should, he should be a kid and he should be in boating like, school or whatever like school you school. need him to be in. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to have a lot of school scenes and the shows can be surround around the school. And he pushed really hard for no, like he's going to be an adult. He's going to do adult things. He's going to go to a job. He's going to have off time. He's going to hang out with his friends. He's going to do, you know, relatively adult things other than <laughs> he does go to the boating school because he still can't drive. But, yeah, which is, I mean, it, it's related. And again, I don't understand, like, go, going back to my deep thought, this whole, like, thing, the SpongeBob's a fry cook and he can't drive. He goes to boating school, which is, like, driving school. It's, like, going through, like, very mundane, very boring adult-level things. And kind of like what you said at the beginning is that he's just so overly optimistic about everything. It, it leads you to believe, like, Oh yeah, I'm complaining about my really good job that I have, my really well-paying job. I'm not, yeah. I'm not being a fry cook. And that SpongeBob can be out there, like loving the things he does. You know, like it's, I don't know, it's, it's somewhat of a you can choose to have the view of your life that you choose to have, and yeah. be optimistic about it. You know, yeah, and and I really bring that up mostly just to even just say one of the, my favorite quotes from this movie was. You don't need a license to drive a sandwich. <laughs> it's the paddy wagon. It's the paddy wagon. It's good. There's, I got a couple more. I mean, as far as my favorite quotes, the only other one I haven't mentioned thus far is the sorry about this calendar that I think Plankton does it one time and then SpongeBob does it at the beginning of the movie. And I, it never stuck out to me, but for some reason, this time watching through it, I was just like, oh, that's a funny thing to do because they tear off the date from their calendar and they're just like, sorry about this calendar. And then they, they rip it well, off. I don't did, know why that's Did you notice that there was a parallel of SpongeBob tearing off the calendar at the beginning of the movie and then Plankton tearing it off at the end of the movie? Oh, at the beginning. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so they, they did a that. full circle. There wasn't much in this movie that went full circle. So there's circle, a purpose is, to it. 
Yeah, there was kind of a purpose, like in like you know, SpongeBob ripping off the calendar, very optimistic, and same thing with Plankton ripping off the calendar, and like today's the day. Oh yeah, I'm gonna yeah. take over the world. You're gonna die, Mr. Krabs. Like, and both their plans were foiled, and both of their plans were foiled. So I, that's why I mean, we we talk about it with Adventure Time all the time. Where I, I'm like, I love when they do full circle episodes or like full circle story arcs that take a whole season. And I was like, there wasn't much in the movie that went full circle. So it's kind of cool to catch That's on. great. Yeah. Well, if you haven't picked up on it, I mean, there isn't a character that I've been hyped about more in this movie than SpongeBob himself. SpongeBob's my lovely. I think mm. it's just an easy, yeah, well, of course he is. He's the main character. Look, he's the best. And you know, I have a whole little script written about him. He's, he's the b- best bubble-blowing Patty Fryan, rock riding, jellyfish orchestrating, sponge I know. He, the, he, the dude's an icon, you know? Like, we grew up with him. We spent hundreds of hours watching Bikini Bottom, or at least I know I did, and all my friends did. And, and Ned, it's good to hear that you did as well, eventually, mm-hmm. a little bit later in, in your life. <laughs> oh, it did. I mean, it didn't take long. They played yeah. it from 3.30 p.m. until 7 p.m. every Dude. day. Yeah, you had no choice from but to watch 2005 it. From 2005 until 2000 now. Like, well, we spent so much time with all his friends, with, with Patrick and Sandy and Bubble Buddy and Chip and Penny and the used napkin uh, <laughs> to name the people in the show Just that probably are his actual friends. That You know, I don't really think I would count Squidward as his friend other than a few specific episodes where Squidward kind of comes around on SpongeBob or SpongeBob comes around on Squidward either way. Um, but there, there honestly isn't a single show that I think is more quotable or that I've seen more in my life than SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. I it's, mean, truly it lives in its own category. It's, it's great. Yeah. If, if, if our parents, if our generation ever rips on SpongeBob and says, Oh, it's so stupid. I'm like, well, well aren't you the generation that woke up? 6 a.m. on Saturdays to watch Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry, which are just like, again, amazingly written, amazingly animated cartoon shows that still people watch in reference and make remakes of and continue to make like cartoons like that. Or influenced by constantly. Or influenced by. And I think you you hit it on the, the head when you said at the beginning of the show that like this is a huge, huge paving of the way for Adventure Time. That the 2D animation, and I, I read some stuff about um, the writers in this, of going like with, they had actually had a $30 million budget for this movie. And it's like, do we start moving SpongeBob to 3D animation, which they eventually did with the SpongeBob Out of Water movie. But they were like, no, there's some, there's some sort of beauty with 2D animation um, that, you know, it's all about the story. It's not about how pretty it looks. It's not about how well we animate. It's not the Pixar, like let's have seven minutes of no dialogue because it just looks so good. Uh, it's, it is very much about the story and the message we're trying to say and the, and the jokes we're trying to make, you know, and, um, freeze them up to make, you know, half of those jokes wouldn't be funny if they hadn't animated it the way they did. So yeah, yeah, props, props to this movie. Just again, for, um, fifth, fifth highest grossing movie adaptation of a TV show ever. Um, right behind Pokemon, the first movie, which is why I love that we already oh, reviewed yeah. that one. We're going to go through um, the, the top five. What else is there? Shrek doesn't um, count. Shrek 
Um, no, no, Shrek doesn't count. This it the was show came after. Um, gosh, this it was in the same year. Oh, oh, um, the first trailer for the SpongeBob movie came out on the DVD release of Shrek Two. Oh wow! Um, so that was kind of cool. But uh, number two on that list, that's the only other one I know. Number two on the highest grossing TV adaptation movies <laughs> is um, the SpongeBob Sponge Out of Water movie. So okay. I've never wow. actually seen it either. So I was like, I okay, haven't either. Well, I guess I hear it's okay. Like, but dude, I hear let's talk about better than the third, but not as good as the first. Let's talk about so the, the reason why we still even have SpongeBob is because of this movie. Like you mentioned, they were going to put it to bed. It grossed, it budgeted $30 million, grossed $141 million. And the promotions that they did for this movie is absolutely outlandish. And I don't know if you remember that from growing up. Not at all. Dude, did you watch it? it? Was, I have no idea what you're talking about. It was ads on Nickelodeon for the movie. It was Burger King toys. It was Burger King um inflatables on top of burger kings like it was one-off specials it was i mean it was outlandish how much they hyped this movie up and i i didn't even watch spongebob in fourth grade and i was aware of like okay this is like a big deal this is a yeah, big and, cultural and it was phenomenon all because of marketing in america <laughs> um and then they sold so much merchandise and they merchandised the shit out of spongebob so hard that Nickelodeon pretty much forced them and said, yeah, we're still making SpongeBob after this. Like, yeah, you know, you guys want to put it to bed. No, we're still doing it. And it's still around to this day. Which, you know, I don't think Steven Hillenberg, uh, you know, he's passed away now. He passed away a few years ago. I think I've seen a couple of things about like writers or people that knew him well that would say like they don't really appreciate where the new movie went or where some of the new spinoff shows are going and they don't think that he would have, you know, really been about it or he would have let that ever happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and I think he, I I could be wrong. So maybe correct me if you know, or someone write us and let us know, but I think he might've stopped working on SpongeBob pretty soon after this movie, if not he, after the movie, he did. He did. This was this was his exit to SpongeBob. He yeah. he did not work on seasons four through nine of Gosh, SpongeBob, which is two thousand four through two thousand fifteen. Um, the SpongeBob Sponge Out of Water movie, wildly enough, was his return to SpongeBob, and he did okay. come back in two thousand fifteen. I I don't know actually when he how long he was still around after that, but. I actually, it makes me interested. That's season 10 and there has been like fans going season 10 is wildly better than seasons five through nine. Like, really? Hmm. Yeah. So it, it makes, or if I say four through nine um, when he was not around. So I, that's kind of, I kind of want to go back and do a full season 10 watch through and be like when Hillenberg comes back and has his, you know, hand in the pie. Yeah, again, that, that would be cool. I didn't know he came better. back at all. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, so now, cool what are that, your cool that he came back? Yeah, what what are your lessons from this movie, man? Let's let's wrap this episode up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. My, uh, first one is mustache makes the man. Let's mm. be real, mustache yeah. makes the man. It's true. Um, the other one I've got, well, two that I, I I know from SpongeBob in general is one that like when you have a passion for something and you you work as hard and you love something like that, 
the work comes naturally. That's just a SpongeBob lesson in general. Um, this also, the movie brings into in fact the lesson that like when you take your work and you invest your the personality or or self-worth in your job too much, it's not necessarily a healthy thing. When SpongeBob doesn't get the manager promotion and just goes into a wild depression, like you can't make your personality your work. And so that's that's a good lesson I knew from this one. And last one was like the definition of man, the definition of of what it takes to grow up and be mature does not mean you're invincible and you're tough and you're mainly even mustache. It's it's about being doing the right thing and going on your mission and completing your mission and, you know, a whole different thing to go find what your mission is. But, you know, going on that thing is no matter how you do it, no matter if you have to grow a mustache and be tough or, you know, do twirl twirls and drive a sandwich. Yeah. Like that's, that's what makes you mature and grow up. Yeah, and, and you can be childish or you can be whatever it is that makes you special and, mm-hmm. and still be mature and be an adult. And and SpongeBob being childish is what makes him special and it's and he accepts that and that's how he or that's what helped him defeat Plankton. I mean it's I don't know, it's it's how more, this movie more impressively yeah, I, I love the ham bone ham bone slap saved them from the monsters. Yeah. And <laughs> and he did it all man- as a kid. That's what I was trying being to do. Being manly, yeah. yeah. Being manly wouldn't have done that, you know? Or yeah, quote unquote culturally. My other lesson what, is simply like yeah, sorry. I was just gonna say my other lesson is just simply that uh, men are invincible. Ah, no, that can't be right. I don't, that, <laughs> what is what is this? An Andrew Tate podcast? Who put this in my in my notes? <laughs> no, obviously we're not invincible. Um, He's been listening to a lot of Joe Rogan guys. No, that's not true. But regardless, um, thank you so much for joining us, man. This was such a fun. Fun movie to talk about. I never thought I would sit down for an hour and discuss the SpongeBob movie and and be able to reach anybody and talk about how special SpongeBob is. And and maybe one day someone who worked on SpongeBob will hear this and probably not. But it's just such a cool, special thing. And to me, at least, and I'm Mm. glad we got to visit one of my favorite shows. Everything, we went from all of our special episodes from Pokemon to Scooby-Doo to SpongeBob, we, we're doing things that are close to us, and it's part of our adventure. We're we're here. We're almost thirty. We are doing podcasts about cartoon shows called Never Ending Adventure, and that's the point, man. It's the point is that these things are part of our adventure, and they have shaped us into who we are. And it's fun to look back at that with a little bit more of an introspective mind. Yeah, and Ned, you're coming up here in a couple of days. I'm coming here tomorrow, baby. Tomorrow? Okay. Tomorrow, Are you staying here I'm going tomorrow? to Nashville. I, yeah, I'm staying at the Homes to Suite in Demumbering. Everybody okay, come cool. uh, check me out when this comes out in uh, <laughs> in one week. But then you're <laughs> staying at our house. We'll figure it out. We'll talk On about Saturday, logistics yeah. later. Okay, awesome. Well, that's exciting. Uh, I'm excited to do some adventuring with you around Nashville, your old the old stomping ground. The, the old stomping grounds. That's my adventure palace, baby. Yeah, our old haunt. And I, I, you know, I guess we'll see you guys next Tuesday for season four, episode one. Ned, are you excited Ooh. for season four? I'm excited for season four, man. It's going to get good. There's, yeah, I, I dove into, like I, I mentioned it in the um, 
season three review that's that season four has got a lot of really good stuff it doesn't get we don't we don't get into multiverse in season four i did check that it's not till the end but we don't really have too many more introductions of new characters it's a lot of just continuing story development which i'm like okay yeah Season yeah. three was like chugging along that way. And like, we're in a good home stretch of season four where everything feels kind of like a continuation of what we've already like been building on. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody who joined us. Uh, thank you, Michael Hitchcock for producing the podcast. Thank you, Allie Taylor for making our awesome artwork. And thank you, Ned. And thank you, Russell, your, uh, your big babies who, I guess we're thinking ourselves. Double, I don't know why we're doing babies. that. Check us out on Instagram at Never Ending Adventure Podcast, TikTok at Never Ending Adventure Cast, Twitter at NEA underscore podcast. Email us your thoughts, your opinions. Get on that Travelers Log at nea.travelerslog at gmail.com. And yeah, just strap in, strap up, get strapped on, and <laughs> get ready for season four, baby. That's why this is an adult <laughs> podcast, baby. Uh, we did it we went explicit alright party forever <laughs> I love those you guys F is for friends who do stuff together G is for you and me N is for anywhere and anytime at all down here in never ending adventure the podcast Blue, blue on the adventure podcast